Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcasts. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health. You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcast. I'm Suzanne Kearns, Mom and Dot 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 writer, LGBTQ and sex ed advocate, and today, summer vacation and college tour planner. Look at this thing. This is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of think we have found your next career, but that's yeah. a safe bet. Yes. And I'm Missy Stevens. I'm a mom and Dot 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 writer, foster care advocate, and today, Dr. Mom. I have one kid home missing his last day of school and one kid taking a final, and I don't know that he should be there taking a final. Oh, so we'll that's see. a tough decision to make. And yeah, you can also be the doctor to Fran, our guest, who is also yes. just recovering from COVID. Today, we are so thrilled to be joined by Fran Hauser, who is a mom and dot, 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 writer, speaker, and investor in over 30 female-founded companies. She's the best-selling author of the books behind me, The Myth of the Nice Girl, Achieving a career you love without becoming a person you hate, which has been translated into six languages and was named Best Business Book of the Year for 2018 by Audible. Fran's new book, Embrace the Work, Love Your Career, is quickly becoming the go-to for women seeking more joy and fulfillment in their career. Fran regularly speaks at conferences and organizations to help women build careers they love while staying true to themselves. Much of her current work is informed by the 15 years she spent in media, where she rose through the ranks of Time, Inc. to president of digital. She lives just outside of New York City with her husband and two sons. Welcome. We are so glad to have you here. I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. We want to focus on this book behind me. I will never get used to this business, <laughs> why I'm not a weather person. Um but we want to focus on the new book, but we also really want to talk a little bit about the myth of the nice girl. Um, we are both Gretchen Rubin, Four Tendencies Obligers. We're Enneagram Nines. One of my biggest regrets from when I was working full-time is that I did not know how to be my normal nice self and my assertive work self. I did not figure it out. And then I just recently listened to The Myth of the Nice Girl and was like, dang, I needed this so badly then, but it's going to be good for me now as well. So we'd like to talk for a little bit about where that came from in your life and how it can empower other much too nice girls. Yeah. So that book really came from all of the mentoring that I had done, you know, over the course of my career, where I just had so many conversations with different women where they would say to me, like, just how hard of a time they had reconciling the fact that I was nice and that I was also successful because there's always been yeah. this myth that nice girls don't get the corner office. Yeah. So yeah. I just spent so much time with women talking through, you know, the power that I see in bringing qualities like kindness and compassion and empathy to work while also still being strong. That's the thing, right? You don't have to choose. You don't have to choose between being nice and being strong. And that's really, I think, a big theme of the myth of the nice girl, that the most effective leaders actually lead with both of those qualities. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea of how that helps build the trust as well, because back in my, back in my working days, when I was uh, working in advertising, I remember our president used to be really shocked because whenever they would give me a client that had, you know, just kind of steady with, with their spending or whatever, he's like, you have the golden touch. Like, what do you do to like convince these people to spend more or to try out these new products or whatever? And like, I'm just, it is, it's the niceness nice. or the trust. And they nice, just right? knew, they knew I was looking out for them more than I was looking out for the company <laughs> most of the times. And so they felt that if there was anything that I was ever going to recommend, that it really did make sense for them, that it wasn't just a sales pitch. So I do think there's so much to be said for the nice yeah. people out there. I do. And I, I, you know, I think business, like being successful in business at the end of the day, it's all about relationships and mm -hmm. relationships are based on trust. So, you know, you were just saying, you know, Suzanne, how, when you're nice to people, they're more likely to trust you. Yeah. So it's just nice, builds trust, builds relationships. Right. And it all kind of feeds together. Um, one story that I love to share back when I was at, at Time Inc and I was running 
digital. I was running the digital business. So, you know, we were launching all of the websites and apps for our magazines. My success and my team's success was very dependent on being able to get resources from our IT department, right? Mm-hmm. We needed those developers yeah. to actually do the HTML coding and the app development. And I had such a wonderful relationship with Mitch Claif, who was our CIO, who ran that department. And I just remember like him saying to me one day that like the only time people reach out to him was to complain, like something was, the website was down, the computer's not working, this isn't working. And I made such an effort to reach out with gratitude. You know, whenever like someone on his team contributed in a really meaningful way to a project, like I would send him a note, I would send our CEO a note. And I think that really allowed, and I did it from a very genuine place. You know, I wasn't doing it like- to be manipulative. Yeah. It needs to have that authenticity or else you were doing it because that's how you like to do business. Right. Like, and I, and I just think that developing that relationship with him was so critical to, to my being successful because he was more likely to give me resources when I needed them. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And it seems so simple, but it's at work. It doesn't go like that very often. Yes. And and your new book does have a section in there about embracing your two. So just between that and then also the previous book, know for any of you listeners who have ever been made fun of for being too nice, that it can actually be your superpower. So sure. <laughs> um, we do want to jump into the new book, though, because so excited. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to hold it up closer for everybody. Um, we were just so, talking about how beautiful it is. We love is a pretty workbook. Although, you know what? Since it is a pretty workbook, we're going to do the Brene Brown of it. She says, when you get a book like this, often it's too pretty. Like people don't want to actually do the work. So what she recommends you do is you go in and you put a big heart. <laughs> and so now and now you've already written in it. Now it has been written in. I and love that. so yes, so it I've never heard that before. I love that. I typically do the work like parallel like in a notebook. In a notebook? Yeah, next yeah. to it. And then I always tell myself that so I can pass the book along and it doesn't have my stuff in it. But then I always hoard the books for myself. I'll buy them their own copy and not share mine. So I'm not really doing it. It was so interesting, you know, working on this book because it's a workbook, um, the user interface of it was really important, right? Whereas the myth of the nice girl is 60,000 words. It's your typical narrative book, right? right? That you go through very linearly. And working on this book felt more like working on, you know, digital products, you know, that I've launched over the years where- the user interface was so important. Like even the um, the weight of the paper and like testing yes. different hands to make sure that they don't bleed and yes. transfer. And just like, you know, do we have enough space to answer this question? And is there enough room like on the line, you know? Like, mm-hmm. so that part was was really interesting. And it was very, it was very, a very different experience for me. One that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. And drew on past career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And drew on a past career. Yeah. You pulled on, we love to talk about that too. Like everything we're doing in leads to something. It does. Everything. No everything. experience is ever wasted. And so, yeah, I love, love, love the book. I also, another thing that we say whenever we are talking about workbooks, sometimes people are intimidated to really put what they're really thinking or feeling in a book because they're like, what if one of my kids grabs it or my husband grabs it and I forgot to bring it with me here, but I have like this, it's like a banker's bag and we will put it in the show notes for anybody who's like, oh, I want to write this, but I just feel kind of weird writing it all down. Um, It's just this little banker's bag. You get it on Amazon, you zip it up, you can put a little lock, hide the key, and it's just, you know, big enough for your documents or whatever. So we will link to that again. I know we've talked about it before, but um, so those are our two tips for doing workbooks. First, just put the heart in it. Now, now it is not perfection and you can <laughs> write in it. And if you have concerns about really being true to yourself while you're writing it down, grab yourself one of these little lockable document bags and we will link to that in the show notes. And remember where you put the key. And remember where oh, you put the key. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? My in secret fact, places are sometimes really secret from everybody. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, now I remember where the bag is. I actually gave mine to my daughter. I just had to reorder another one uh, because... I just felt that 
you know, she's almost a grown woman going off to college and there's nothing in her world that is truly like private. I did ask her, don't put drugs in it. But I was like, you know, if you ever do, if you ever want to write a journal or if, you know, maybe you yes. have a piece of artwork that is private and you just don't want your brother snooping around or the dog eating it or who knows what. So I actually uh, gave her mine. And so I had to order That's another so one. Fun. It's kind of like a portable safe. It is. It is. And yeah, just don't lose the key. <laughs> don't lose the key. <laughs> yeah. But so I know that uh, the books are really directed to professional career women, but many of our listeners are stay at home moms who are either trying to relaunch back into the paid workforce or, you know, maybe the workforce is years off, but they're just trying to get better prepared for an eventual relaunch or just, you know, being more intentional about the way that they're spending their time at home. So how would some of the advice from the books and the exercises apply to embracing, you know, both paid work, but also volunteer work or even taking care of your kiddos work? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I think um, no matter what it is that you're working on, you're always building skills you know, and I think a lot of those skills are very transferable. I, I had a, a conversation recently with a friend of mine um, who's a stay-at-home mom, and she just took on a part-time job where she's working like 10 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And she really is not happy with it. It's And it's not a job that she sees herself doing long-term, but she's worried about the gap on her resume. Like she just wants to be able to like put something yeah. on the resume. And actually the advice that I gave her was that I think it's more important if you're a stay-at-home mom to be working on building out your network mm -hmm. as opposed to doing a part-time job that doesn't make you happy or makes your life like really hard. And, you know, I explained to her, like, there's so many great women's networks in, in the area that I, I live in that I would love to invite her to be a part of so that she can meet interesting people. And when the time comes for her to go back to work, she now has people that can open doors for her. And, you know, you know, there might be opportunities that she hears about just through these relationships. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I really deeply believe is so important. You know, it's about the people. It's about the people in, in your, in your life and making sure that you're making room to meet new people. And to be open and to be curious. And to me, it's that's time better spent than doing a part-time job so that mm -hmm. you don't have a, a gap in your in your resume, if that makes sense. Oh, makes, that makes a lot so of sense. much sense. This leads so nicely into the section of your book about building out your dream team, which yes. I mean is obviously important for the paid workforce. But we try to shout this from the rooftops all the time about the untapped networking power of the school pickup line and how oh, many amazing, accomplished women you are standing next to and men, but <laughs> we're going to talk about the women here who, you know, you don't even know what they did in their past life. And y'all are talking about who's bringing the forks to the next class party instead of talking about how you can help enrich each other and help, you know, move each other to the next level in your careers or just have a intelligent conversation um, instead so of just this small talk. Just having the school related small talk. It's like my brain doesn't even think like, hey, why don't we find out who this person is? Mm -hmm. It's just more about right. what classes your kid in? What are you getting the teacher gift? What, whatever. Like it's Isn't that fascinating how that happens? I mean, that that happens to me too, where you just like get into this zone, you know, where you're literally just talking about like all the logistics stuff mm -hmm. that's school related and the play dates and the, this and the, that. And it's just, it's so interesting, right? Because we all are multi-hyphenates. We all, you know, we, we all have different parts of our lives. We have experience, we have history. We might, even though like I might not have a full-time job, I might be working on a really interesting project that might be of interest. So I think it's really important to like schedule those walks and those coffee dates yes. with moms and, you know, really learn about each other on a, on a deeper level on what your interests are and what kinds of things are you working on outside of parenting. I think it's just so important and we don't do it enough. Yeah. That's where, I, that's how opportunities come up. 
so yes. much. Some yes. oh, I'm so Organic glad to hear a professional uh, <laughs> give a stamp of approval to our soapbox message, Missy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. it that kind of takes us to a question we had about so you're you're meeting people and you're making a point to to have this organic growth where you learn about what you know opportunities and build your network but we both tend to be yes people like something comes up and uh, in fact our we've had a guest before say just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something mm-hmm. or just because something sounds amazing doesn't mean it's right for you and so you talk in the book about making your to don't list. Mm. And I love that phrase. So <laughs> could you spend a little time talking about how to create that to don't list and why it matters? Yeah. So this is something that I'm kind of obsessed with this whole topic of, you know, saying no and setting boundaries. And I actually did a little piece of research. Um, I talked to 300 women about why we have such a hard time saying no Mm-hmm. And what I learned was that it's really complicated. There are like 15 different reasons. They're all in the book and embrace the work, love your career. <laughs> it's everything from people pleasing, which is something that I'm totally guilty of to FOMO, to being addicted to being busy, to feeling vulnerable, especially when you come back to work after a maternity leave. Mm-hmm. There's so many reasons we have a hard time saying no. And I, I always say the first step is to know like, what's your why? Why is it hard for you to say no? Because then you can check in with yourself. So when you get that request in your inbox and you're about to say yes, you can literally ask yourself, like, am I saying yes for the right reason? You know, is this something that's aligned with my priorities? Or is this something maybe that's just going to bring me joy that I really just want to do? Or am I saying yes, just because I feel bad saying no, Mm. you know, and it's, it's, so these are the questions I have to ask myself. Because my knee-jerk reaction is to say yes, mm-hmm. yeah, right? Yeah. It's just like immediately, like, I want to be helpful. You know, I want to be that person who's like always there and generous with my time. And But I literally have to step back and have this conversation with myself, like every single time before I say yes. And I can't tell you how many times it will lead to me saying no, which is great. It's so empowering right? Because like you're taking control of your time and your space. We have the control. We have the power to decide and choose where we're going to spend our time. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I always say too, is saying no can be very like short and sweet. You don't have to spend three paragraphs explaining (laughs) why you're not going to do something. Right. It's like, I'm feeling attacked right now. Like leaving my last contract job and deciding not to renew my contract. I, I mean, I wrote a short, like a little novella about why I needed to move on. You basically wrote a book. So you basically wrote a book and it's, and right. And it's because like, you feel bad and you want to make sure, but literally like, this is my, my thing now with saying no is it's usually in an email, especially it's a couple of lines. I always start by saying, thank you. Not, I'm sorry. You know, because again, your, your knee jerk is I'm so sorry. I can't make it. Thank you so much for thinking of me. No, thank you for the invitation. And then say, you know, I'm heads down working on writing my book, building my business, working on this project, whatever it is. So I won't be able to participate, but you know, I really, I wish you the best. Yeah. And that can I be- love that tip of like, not starting with sorry, start with thank you. Start with thank you. Sorry is the knee jerk. Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't. I'm so I sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. I am. Um, I have actually in the first book, the myth of the nice girl, I included a story about saying sorry and how a colleague of mine at work basically called me out on it and said, you know, like, you know, do you realize like you apologize all the time? You're apologizing for things that you don't need to be apologizing for. Oh. And I, I didn't believe her. I really didn't. I didn't realize I was doing it. And I went into my inbox and I typed the word sorry in the search field. Oh, no. Hundreds of emails came back. Mm-hmm. Hundreds. And when I was reading through the emails, I was horrified because the things that I was apologizing for, like they were so trivial. I should not have been apologizing. There was no reason to apologize. Like, so it was in that moment that I realized I I actually downloaded a Chrome extension called Just Not Sorry that was built by a female engineer. It's been downloaded a half a million times, this extension. Going to download it after this. Just Not Sorry 
it basically alerts you anytime you type the word sorry into an email. Oh my so God. it can just sort of like be a check-in. Like, do you really want to say sorry? And Wait, I, are you really I, apologizing? <laughs> you really want to, so I, I use that extension for like a good year. Just, just like help me mm-hmm. lean off of the, I'm sorry, because oh it really puts you in a position of weakness. Yeah. If you're that person that's saying, I'm sorry all the time. Yeah. And I think that's a distinction between being nice and being, because we feel like that's the nice thing to do, but that's not nice. No, you know what the nice thing to do is just to say, thank you. Mm -hmm. That's the nice thing. Thank you for thinking about me. Thanks for reaching out. You know, I'm so happy to hear from you. Like, so, because when you start with sorry, it just sets the tone for the whole entire email and it's not a good tone. Mm. Right. After that part of your book, I caught myself apologizing to my child for a discipline. So it was not like a heavy duty situation. It was just a thing where I was like, Hey, this is not something that's supposed to be happening. You need to rethink this. But I said, I'm sorry, we have to have this conversation. And I was like, wait a minute. And I had just listened to that part of your book and I had to backtrack and say, no, I'm not actually sorry. Like, I'm not apologizing to you for doing my job. Right. This is my job. This is my job. I know it's not fun. I don't like it. You don't like it, but that's yeah. where you are. But I realized I do it all the time. Now it's in the back of my head. And yeah. any complicated, difficult conversation for me includes an apology half the time. And that's not, that's not how it's I know. And I think too, it's so important, you know, cause with the inbox, it's much easier to pause and to think about it before you respond. Mm-hmm. But even when you're having these conversations with people, yeah. I think just like taking a breath before you respond yep. is really important because that is, again, it's the knee jerk. That's where you're going to go. That's where I was going all the time. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. We do need to take more of those pauses. The breath, the breath mm-hmm. is so important. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I don't oh, know I'm sorry. Where that Missy. comes from. I know we're awful today. I know. We're, out of <laughs> we're just so excited. <laughs> like, it's been such a weird week that I think we're both just like, Oh, we can talk about something. That's not yes. Not everything else. Um, and I lost my train of thought. What was oh, I, I broke you. I'm sorry. Not, well, <laughs> this is what editing. I'm for. sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, no. Okay. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just okay. a mess. I actually do. We're all going to blame it on COVID. I know. Anything. We're just blaming it on COVID, right? Of course. Whether yes. we've had it, our families had it. We do that right. and menopause. Menopause is usually our go to for right. hormones, COVID. It's all For brain sure. yes. all of it. Okay. <laughs> so now I, I do love the message of your new book and this idea of and we've talked to several career coaches in the past too, or like even if you don't feel great about your job right now, like really take take that pause and Take a look at what are some of the roles in your job that you do enjoy? What are the things that you don't? The things that on Sunday night, you're going like, oh, you know, I don't want to be doing that the next day. And so I do love this idea of being able to have those conversations with your manager, your boss or whatever, and see like, is there another role in the company that makes more sense for me? Yeah. You know, going from sales to HR, I think was one of the examples in the book. Yeah. Of that story. Um, but then I... and. And I think about this a lot because I did leave my job. I've been on a 15, 16 year maternity leave and I blame the job because it, yeah, it did. It, for a while it was pretty rough, um, but they're pro- I don't think it was the job. I think there it was probably 20% of the job that mm. was really enough. I mean, it was bad enough that I was just like, I can't do this. And it was elements of travel. It was elements of mm. having to be, you know, clients calling at like eight o'clock at night, you know, that, and those are probably also things that I needed to work around setting those boundaries. So mm-hmm. again, not necessarily the job is just the way that it was presenting in my life mm-hmm. and certain elements of it. Mm-hmm. But there probably are jobs that just suck. So like, how what is the what is the line between knowing if there's elements that you can take and evolve and move with, or yeah. ones where just for your own health and safety you just need yeah. to cut your cut your losses and leave? It's, it's such a great question. You know, I I remember when I was at time inc and i'd been there eight years i was in a pres- president of digital i was running digital um that was my role and you know what i realized was that the bigger my job got the less i liked it, it because mm-hmm. it became so much more administrative 
it was so much more about like the budget and creating the deck for the board of directors meetings and cost containment. And, and I got into this place in my head where I just became so negative about the job. Like I was really just focusing on the things that I didn't enjoy doing. And I took a step back and I actually did an exercise that I have in the book and embrace the work, love your career. I decided to look at my calendar for the, the prior few months and just pick out like the meetings, the events, the experiences that put a smile on my face. Mm. And then really think through like, what was it about each experience that was so fulfilling? And what I realized was that I really loved meeting with startup founders. That was a part of my job that I really enjoyed. Like I met with the founders of Rent the Runway before they launched. You know, I was meeting with the founders of Foursquare and Flipboard and like all these, you know, all these companies. Uh And I loved hearing about their business models and, you know, their products. And so I, I realized, well, like this is part of my job that I, I really like. And I had a conversation with my manager about like, is there a way that I could do more of that and, and give up like some of the administrative stuff And we came up with this idea to launch an innovation lab for the company Mm. that I would run. And I mean, it's exactly what I wanted to do. Like I would basically be looking at startups, thinking about how we could partner with them, how we could bring in some of that technology into the company. And I, I looked at, I kind of looked at what I was working on and some of the administrative things I was able to delegate to people on my team. They were excited to take them on. Because they were new responsibilities. They were stretch assignments for them. Whereas for me, like I was just so over it, you know, like I was so over that part of my job. I've had that stretch. So that I think that's a good example where I was able to take something that I really liked about my job and create a new opportunity, you know, that was really valuable for the company and also something that I enjoy doing. And it got me to stay there for two more years, you know, before I eventually left. That's good um, for the company and good for you. Yes. It's good for the company. It's good for you. And I think, look, if you do that calendar exercise and you find that there's just, there's really like nothing about your job that you're enjoying. I think that's like a really good time opener. to think about like, okay, this is not working. Yeah. So either like, is there something else within the company? And I think you could have an open, honest conversation with your manager. I don't think we talk to our managers enough. I, I think we're so afraid, yes. you know, we're so afraid to have the conversation. It's like, you know, work takes up most of your week, you know, hours that you're awake, you're working. So if you're not happy, like do something about it, you know? And it's oh. like, so there might be another opportunity within the company. If there isn't, then I think that's a good time to start looking for something else. You know, I am having such a major light bulb moment right now because I am realizing. <laughs> I can see you having it. I was no, watching your brain go. And I actually had this conversation with my boss, and this was even before I was pregnant or whatever, because I was a senior account director. I was doing a lot of stuff with clients, and the only position up from there was vice president. And I did not want to do that because then you were managing this team. You didn't have the client interactions and you, uh, you kind of weren't as much in the day to day with that relationship building. And so I just I just like, can I just be in this role forever? And it just was, a you know, they were trying to get me to do an MBA program and do all this stuff. And there was kind of this shame associated with just like really enjoying what I was doing and feeling like I had to move to this managerial or this, you know, VP position. And I, and that could have just been a conversation that I had. And I guess we did kind of have that conversation because I was like, I just want to do this. But I think it was seen as a lack of motivation instead of just knowing what parts of the job that I was interested in. Knowing yourself. Yeah. And I didn't want to just be hanging out with the clients when there was a big problem or when I was trying to, you know, sell them on something. Yes. Well, and then I think that goes back to like how you frame the conversation, Mm -hmm. right. In in terms of that conversation with your manager, like, so focusing more on, look, I love this part of my job. And I feel like I can really create so much value for the company if this is where I focus versus having it be perceived as a lack of drive or Mm -hmm. ambition. You know, so it's really more about like what's best for you and for the company. And look, I think too, like 
having that self-awareness is such a wonderful thing, you know, like being able to say like, wow, I just really, I really love for some people, they don't want to manage a team. They're really happy being an individual contributor. Yeah. So what a wonderful thing that, you know, that, you know, like it's so lean into that. Yeah. There, there isn't this like one magic bullet, you know, linear career path for everyone. Right. So it, it goes Patty Sellers who, um, was this amazing woman that I worked with at Timing. She ran Fortune's Most Powerful Women, that franchise for mm-hmm. Fortune magazine. So, you know, she spent her days meeting with, I mean, amazing. the most important female leaders in the world, like all the time. But she would always say like a career is more like a jungle gym than it is a ladder. Oh. And I, you know, cause it's more of like, you, you might need to take like a, a lateral move or like, I know people, This amazing person, Jack Rotherham, that I worked with when I was at Time, he was the publisher of Teen People magazine. Like he had made it in terms of magazine publishing. Like he was, you know, that's being a publisher is the biggest job you can have on the business side. There's the editorial side, right? Editor in chief. And there's the business side, publisher. He made publisher. But this was like when the internet was really getting going. And he realized, you know, all I know is print. I really need to learn digital. Mm -hmm. He took a huge step back. He went into a sales role at AOL to learn how to sell digital advertising. Wow. Um, And Suzanne, this is something I know you can really relate to given your ad agency background. Yeah. But, you know, so yes, it was a step back, but oh my gosh, like, let me tell you, then he ended up moving so quickly and accelerating. And now he had digital experience and print experience, you know, and he's had some wonderful roles over the course of his career. This this jungle gym concept, I think is a really important one. Sometimes you take a step back. Sometimes it's lateral. Sometimes you go up. Sometimes you go sideways. You know, it's sometimes it's diagonal. Like, yeah. And, and it's whatever works for you. It's whatever works for you. Oh, I love love this concept of coming at it from a positive angle. You're coming at it from what do I want to learn more about or need to learn more about and what is it I really like? What lights me up? Instead of thinking something's not working, what do I hate about this? Mm-hmm. Because I think that's sort of our gut. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but our <laughs> gut reaction when something's not working, we really focus on the parts that don't feel good. Yes. Instead mm-hmm. of flipping that, because I had a similar moment to Suzanne when I was going through the workbook. I thought, oh gosh, my last job before my last full-time corporate job, I thought it was the job. And in hindsight, there were so many things about that job I loved. Mm. So many. It wasn't just the job. It was, there were other things going on, but I didn't look at it from that angle. I just remember thinking, this is not working for me. Yeah. 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 And you know, and sometimes like for me, one of the reasons why I did eventually leave time, you know, after being there for 10 years, my kids were really young. They were, you know, three years old. And 18 months, we, we had adopted both of them. We adopted both of them at birth. We had a really hard time creating a family, my husband and I, you know, we went through a lot. We went through in vitro. We went, I mean, it was such a journey. And I just remember thinking, like, I woke up one day and I was like, I worked so hard to have this family Mm. and I'm barely seeing these kids because I'm in this C-suite, you know, role. Um, At that time, there was no like flexibility option. I remember asking if I could work from home one day a week and it was a hard and fast no because yeah, of the you were crazy. that it would set, right? For the, the rest, yeah. because I was one of the senior female leaders, what kind of precedent mm-hmm. would we be setting for the company? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, for me, I also at that moment had to think about like, okay, I've been here 10 years. You know, I'm, I'm really not enjoying the job as much as I used to. And now I have, I have these kids that I want to make sure that I'm spending time with. Mm -hmm. So like in that moment, it was really about, okay, how do I set up a professional life for myself Mm -hmm. where I'm still energized and lit up and really enjoying my work, but I also have the time to really be present for the kids, you know, and I, I was very fortunate in that fortunate, but also I was very intentional about this, you know, over those last few years at Time Inc., I had created such a strong external network where I had, you know, so many founders that I had met, so many venture capitalists, 
um, other people in technology. So I had built this network that really allowed me to seamlessly pivot into startup investing Mm -hmm. um, and really working for myself. And that's what I've been doing now for eight years. But I think the, the insight there is building, it goes back to the network. What we started talking about in the beginning, even then for me, I was in that corporate role, but I was thinking about, okay, but I can't just, my whole network can't be media people because then (laughs) where, how am I going to (laughs) grow? Like I can't, you know, like I, so I intentionally said, I'm really interested in the technology sector, the startup space and nonprofits. And I was very purposeful about meeting people in those different sectors. There was a book that I read, um, Half the Sky by Nick Kristoff and Cheryl Wudun, beautiful mm-hmm. book. Okay. At the very end of the book, they, they refer to um, a nonprofit organization called Global Giving. And I became really interested in what they had to say about Global Giving to the point where like I stalked the CEO and founder <laughs> of Global Giving, Mari Kurishi, I like, found her email address somewhere online and I emailed her. And this goes back to the curiosity and being open to learning, right? And meeting new people. I just emailed her and I said, hi, I'm Fran. You know, I work at People, blah, blah, blah. I'd love to learn more about what you do. I'd love to see if I could be helpful in some way. We ended up meeting in person. I got to know the organization. I was helpful. I ended up joining their board. I was on their board of directors for 10 years. Mm. So I think that's just like such a good example of like, if something piques your curiosity, yes. you know, if something is interesting, like lean into that and reach out to people, meet, meet people. Like if I hadn't done that, it wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to, to pivot into this, this next phase of my career, yeah. you know, whether it's the startup investing or the nonprofit work that I do. And so I just, I really encourage people to do that versus just being heads down, like getting your job done. Yes, it's important to do great work, but while you're doing the great work, you need to be laying the foundation for the rest of your career. Oh, that is such I a perfect so. way to wrap things up. This reminder that, that it all comes so back to this network, and that is something you can do today, whether you are in a career or whether you are 10 years away from doing your career. I mean, especially stay-at-home moms who are a lot of our audience. You're going to be going to the end of school parties. You're going to be going, doing a bunch of stuff this summer. You know, your wine nights, your barbecues, you know, take that step to not just have the small talk conversations, get curious and just follow that rabbit hole wherever it may lead. If someone's talking about something they're working on and it sounds really interesting, you know, follow that for a little bit. Ask, you know, take, take the next step in the initiative to maybe invite them to a follow-up coffee or whatever. I just, yeah, that's just something that no matter where you are in life, I keep on telling my daughter this too, and it's driving her crazy. She doesn't believe me because she's going off to college. You know, there's all these, no, there's all these artists who live in Austin. I'm like, they have gone to the colleges that you're looking at. They're in the field you're looking at. I was like, just write them and say, hey, can I be your coffee go-getter this summer? She's like, no, I bother them so much. I'm like, this is their career. They want to talk about it. They want to help you. Yes. One quick story I'm going to share, and you can share this with your daughter, is I did a talk for the University of Cincinnati about a year ago. It was virtual for the women in their women in sales class. Mm -hmm. And this one young woman, Kelly reached out to me afterwards. She emailed me to say how much she enjoyed the presentation. She had a few follow-up questions for me, but she also knows how busy I am. So she took it upon herself to put together a Google doc with ideas for how to market my new book to college students. And it was such an easy yes to do a phone call with her because she was so smart. Like I was going to answer her questions, but now I had a million things that I wanted to talk to her about yes. with the Google doc that she sent over. So <laughs> one, one thing you might want to say to your daughter is like, is there a way that she can offer to be helpful? Yeah. So when she's reaching out to these people, you know, is there like, if she's really good at social media, maybe she has some ideas for the artist on how they can build out their social media presence mm-hmm. or because people, when I get those kinds and they're few and far between, most of the emails I get are, can I pick your brain? Do you have 30 oh, minutes? Yeah. Right. But when I get those emails where I see that somebody is really looking to contribute and to be helpful to me, I'm going to take those calls. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Okay. You hear that? She Zoe? ended up becoming my intern, by the way. <laughs> Kelly ended up she becoming did. my intern. 
she ended up becoming my intern. Yep. That's amazing. I didn't even have an internship. I just created an, an internship. <laughs> it was like, you're, I'm like, you're amazing. Like, I want, like, she, you know, she came up with a Google. I'm like, now I want you to execute on this. Yeah. You have all these great ideas. Now you're going to execute. Now do them. Now do them. And she did a great job. That's amazing. And you know yeah. what? We had our uh, Alicia Fernandez on, the 40-year-old intern. <laughs> and so same thing. You don't have to be a 17-year-old to be an internship or to add value or help someone. So yeah. Oh, I love this. I'm so inspired. Who can I go stalk and become their intern? <laughs> I know. My brain is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So now, in addition to their books, what is the best way for listeners to learn more about you, follow you, um, to reach out to you? Yeah, if they so want? My, my website is franhauser.com. So F-R-A-N-H-A-U-S-E-R.com. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Fran underscore Hauser. Um, and I also spend a lot of time on, on LinkedIn because of all of the career content. Yes. So I'm trying yes. to go there more. I'm trying to go there more. Yeah. I know. There's it's I mean, not part of my like daily check-in place. And then I'll go and there's all this great stuff uh, and all these connections have popped up and it is a you, fun rabbit hole though. It I mean so many uh, ideas for guests come up because they'll just be like, hey, maybe you know this person because yeah. you know we've of past guests mm -hmm. that we've had. Or even I just found my daughter an art coach for the summer because we had a mutual friend and they must have saw that I was searching all these art schools on LinkedIn. And they're like, maybe you would like to know about this man who does exactly what your daughter's interested in and, <laughs> and is in driving distance. So yeah, so LinkedIn, I'm, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn, especially for anything around obviously the career area. All right, I think it's time for our look, listen, learns. Uh, so for anybody who is visiting for the first time, welcome. We're so glad you're here. And the look, listen, learn segment is where we each share a little something that we've been watching, reading, listening to, or learning about that you might be able to add to your to-do lists or incorporate into your lives, but we never want to put our guest in the hoss seat. So let's go ahead, Missy, you want to kick things off? Sure. I have a few because I've had a little bit of downtime. I had a minor surgery two weeks ago, but even a minor surgery means you end up with a lot of downtime. So that's my learn is I have had to learn a lot about advocating for myself after this. Um, just in my healthcare, the healthcare system is overwhelmed. They're exhausted. They're shorthanded. Not everything went the way it was supposed to go. And so I had to speak up. I had to reach out and say, this is not working for me. And it was awkward phone calls. And in fact, I have to return a phone call. Everyone has been very kind. And I got a sweet return phone call yesterday saying, we really want to talk to you about this. And it's not about me anymore. It's about future patients not having to go through the same thing. Mm. Um, and so that's hard for me. I want to just, I want to just complain to my husband and say, can you believe that they forgot to fulfill this prescription for the third day in a row, but I needed to speak up so that doesn't happen to the next person. So I've learned a lot and, um, have also learned about a lot about being kind to myself in recovery because I told myself this was going to be easy. And in many ways it was, but I told myself I was going to bounce back and be back at full speed, like four days later. And I was not, I was not no. that first week. If I so much as ran an errand or did a small chore around the house, I was exhausted afterwards. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I can't, I can't lift things. I still am not clear to lift things or do a lot of strenuous activity. So it's eye opening to be like, Oh, everything I did in my life required lifting something heavy or yeah. bending over, or even pushing the vacuum for the first week was too much. And so it's been a, good learning experience and things I thought I knew about myself. I did not. So I, I think probably need to write about it in some way to get it all out of my head. So, but I've been learning a lot in the last couple of weeks, but while I was lying down, I also did a lot of TV and reading. Um, <laughs> and so I finished better things on it's on FX, but I think you can catch it on Hulu now is really where everyone would catch it. And it's oh, five short that. seasons it's comedian and writer Pamela Adlon. And it's she in this show, she is like a child actor and now has three daughters and is a single mom. And it's it's this simple story every time. But it's so it's not every episode. It's kind of just there. I don't know how to explain it best. It's not a complicated plot line. But through the five seasons, there are three lines in the plot 
and they wrap it up really sweetly. And um, it's just interesting to watch her learn about her daughters and parenting is so different these days. And she's trying to handle all of these challenges of parenting three very different children in very different phases. And she also has her mother nearby. So she's that sandwich generation and oh, it's favorite. funny and it's warm and it's weird and it's, it's just great. So I'm gonna check I that highly, out. yeah, I highly recommend yeah. better things. It's bingeable for sure. And then I read watching you by Lisa Jewell and I love she, her. Okay. She has like 19 books, something like that. I don't know how I did not know Lisa Jewell because it's right in my wheelhouse of what I love to read. No Are you idea. Like so fast-paced thriller. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And she's perfect. So watching you was a ton of fun. And now I have her entire catalog for the summer that I am going to breeze through. Oh, I love Um, that. It's great. She's a British writer that does. So Missy, I just read, um, then she was gone by her, by Lisa. And she was gone. It's kind of like a lovely bones. Oh, I don't know if you remember that book, but it's it's disturbing, but it's, I mean, it's fast paced thriller. I love those kinds of books too. Yeah. It's it's a great escape. And um, so she's such a good writer. I love her. I don't know how I did not read Lisa Jewell before. So go find all of her. You discovered her. That's how I am. I'm like, Oh, I just, after she's been writing for a decade. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's me. What about you, Fran? Um, okay. So I am a voracious reader. I think I read like 70 books last year. Um, I have, I actually have a a bookstagram. Um, it's called Fran's bookshelf. (laughs) So I love, I love reading and then writing about what I've read. So the, one of the the books that I, I just recently listened to, I love listening to memoirs that are narrated by the author. Yes. Um, Demi Moore's um, memoir was really so special to listen to because her voice, you guys know her mm. voice. Oh yeah. Right? Amazing. I mean, yeah. Amazing. And I had no idea the trauma that she went through as a child. I mean, she, she went through like life threatening illness. She was raped as a teenager. I mean, she, I she had, her parents were basically just not around. Um, Mm -hmm. so she had this really incredible, like interesting upbringing and it just kind of goes through the whole, like Bruce Willis and Ashton Kutcher. And, you know, she was the highest paid actress in Hollywood and how she took so much crap for the fact that like she was being paid $12 million to do striptease when Bruce Willis, her husband was being paid like 20 million to do his action films, but everybody was giving her such a hard time. And so there's like this women's empowerment part to it. I really enjoyed listening to that one. So I would highly recommend it. Oh yeah. Um, Audible credit. I'm going to get that. (laughs) Yes. You use your audible credit. I really, I really liked it. Um, in terms of look, so I have a really hard time finding things that we can watch as a family. It's so hard. And I just feel like the older, my kids are 10 and 11 now, but it's just like the older they get, the harder it is. Yeah. But we've been watching The Masked Singer. Do you, did you guys ever watch uh, The Masked Singer? Never, I know about it, but I've never watched it. Yeah, I've it. never actually watched it. You guys, I mean, it's like, we just started with season one. I mean, there's, I don't know, seven or eight seasons now. It's hysterical. I mean, because it's celebrities that are basically up there, they're masked. And they're singing and there's a celebrity panel that's trying to like, they're given clues and they're trying to figure out like who it is behind the mask. And it's just like a really like silly, light, fun, you know, very snackable just as a family. (laughs) Isn't that funny? I know. So that, that's my look. Um, And then my learn is I've been doing startup investing for the last eight years. And I basically just taught myself how to do it. And it just sort of struck me that like, gosh, it would be kind of interesting to actually like take a course on angel investing. And Mm -hmm. I found this great course on this new website called classrebel.com. They have really interesting courses on fundraising, on angel investing, on crypto. If you want to understand like cryptocurrency, um, on how to build a big audience, you guys might like, like how to build, like if you're in content, like how to build a big audience, but I took this angel investing course. And what's great is you can attend live if you want, but if you would rather just go back in and just look at the recorded sessions, you could just do it on your own time. And it was amazing how much I learned. Like I thought I knew it all, yeah. but I really was able to learn more about like the why, like why mm-hmm. 
things, the structure is set up the way that it is and why the contracts, the convertible notes, the safe agreements, like why the terms are the way that they are, right? Because when you teach yourself, you you don't necessarily get into the the backstory mm-hmm. and why things are set up the way that they are. Yeah. So I think it was just such a great moment for me to realize, like, even though you, you think you might know like so much about a topic, there's always more that, that, that you can learn. Oh, I love it. And you said, okay, Class Rebel? like Class Rebel. Class Rebel. It's a really great site. I got that written down. And yeah, talk about a way to follow your curiosity and kind of a low commitment way to explore a different area if maybe Mm -hmm. you're just like, oh, I love that. Okay. I got a lot to do now from you too. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, well, we're getting close to the end. Are you okay on time to go a couple minutes? I think I have a... I have a noon, but I have, I have two more minutes. You have two more minutes. Okay. I have I two minutes, guys. Talk fast, Suzanne. Okay. I'll be real Sorry. fast. So, no, I am trying to listen to The Silent Patient, which I'm using the world's most bargain basement audio app, which my library has, but it abruptly stops at the end of every chapter, which is not good when you're driving on the freeway. And it also no. doesn't remember where you left off. But the, <laughs> the book itself is very good. It's just going to take me like three times as long as usual to listen to it. Yeah, you could probably and read I it faster. also just finished It Ends With Us. So Missy, basically, oh. I'm just, oh, so good. Can I just tell you, those are two of my favorite books of all time. Oh, the Silent good. Patient is my favorite thriller, hands down, like up there with Gone Girl. There's a twist in The Silent Patient that you're just going to lose your mind. I did not see it coming. And then, do, right? Don't you tell me. And it ends with us by Colleen Hoover. Oh, my oh gosh. So good. So good. So good. Oh. Let's see. Oh, and then real fast. And then I am currently looking at Blueprint for a nonfiction book by our dear Jenny Nash, who we just love awesome. from Author Accelerator. So oh, loving that. Great. And I also just want to do, a, this is, I've already learned, but I'm learning it for the rest of you. This is like the best calendar in the world. You can choose these blocks of time and put it all together. And it's really great for planning. And it is from worksheetworks.com. And you just go plug in your date range and it makes it all one nice thing. So you don't have like millions of pages. So yeah, worksheetworks.com has been my savior for like the past three summers of being able to put the whole summer in one viewable sheet. So that is my learn to share with you all. And we don't want to make you late for your next one. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Love this conversation. Conversation. Love meeting you and love your books. Thank you so much. Ditto. Thank you. And thank you so much for everything you guys are doing. Oh, Suzanne yes. and Missy, you're awesome. Thank you for having me. All right. You have, have a great, great day. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging, please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com, with the A-N-D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private Mom and Community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count.